Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Got up early and went skating this morning, and mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, that's always fun. Yeah. Doing the bag skate after yeah. a tough game last night? Yeah, my goal is to make the Canadian <laughs> national men's team, Bruce, when I'm okay. 90. When I'm 90. I figure by then I have a chance. If I just keep at it. Uh, well, the age group team, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, the age, they're, looking, they're looking for players by then. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about like the Olympic <laughs> team. I'm talking about the plus 80. I don't even know if there's a plus 85 team or the plus 90 team. But uh, So I'm working away. I'm, my, I've am i yet to peak as a player is what I'm trying to say. All right, all right. I bet you learned a lot about hockey doing that. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and I've been getting instruction, uh, you mm-hmm. know, hanging out yeah. with skills coaches and taking you know from jim fleming i don't know how old jim is maybe he'd be right like right now jim fleming he's a legendary skills coach in edmonton he would be um in the running to be on a, a national team uh for his age group because he's a, he's still a fantastic hockey player yeah. all right uh the bubble is burst the dam mm. is burst it's all over so fire ken holland and dave tippett yeah. while while you're at it and because the Oilers lost an exhibition game, what was it, 6-1? 5-1. 1 to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, yeah, it was, it was um, the Jets had their a lot of their A players, and the Oilers had no answer for those A players, let's put it that way. It was yeah. it was a depleted Oilers lineup, you know. In terms of NHL players, surefire NHL players, there was Fogel, Cassian uh, at forward. And then everyone else is in a competition on defense. Yeah. There's Cuckoo and Bouchard, CC, yeah. and everyone else is in a competition. So, so yeah. we have five NHL players on that Oilers team, and then a number of other guys who are still in the running. So, um, it wasn't the Winnipeg uh, team was chock a block with NHLers, including most of their top players. Yeah, that oh. Shifley line. Wow, they just. Yeah. I actually kind of felt sorry for, I, I noticed Tyler Benson was up mm-hmm. and his line was up against that line a lot. And that's a tough assignment uh, mm-hmm. for for those guys trying to make an impression. And Bruce, this is our uh, two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. We'll just stick to one bad yeah, thing huh. and one, like it's an exhibition that's game. Funny. It's not, it's not that's over. It's not. I've actually got, actually, I there was lots I liked in that game, strangely. So, so. You know, I could actually do two good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to do that, it would be well, we, against. We, we can just talk things. about the game a little bit before we get into our good thing. I, I, I like it. the Winnipeg game is always interesting. The at Winnipeg game is always interesting in the preseason. Yeah. The Oilers have won every year, except for obviously uh, this past season. And it is a game where you don't want to necessarily be on that flight to Winnipeg unless you're unless you're scrabbling for a job and you want to get every chance that you can to uh, show your stuff. And the veterans generally do not go. The stars generally do not go. And what we see is what we got tonight, which was last night's game in reverse, where the visiting team was just not up to the quality of a stacked home side with predictable results. And the Oilers, the only five guys went who were who played last night. 
and uh, four of the five are battling for jobs. And uh, I mean, Evan Bouchard is is battling to prove that he's, you know, he can handle the NHL grind of playing two two days in a row in two different cities. And uh, it's uh, otherwise it was, you know, Nima Linen and uh, and Benson and McLeod and Sevier that played last night, and all the, all the top guys, of course, stayed back. And they wound up sending what the team that played tonight looked a fair amount like how the Bakersfield Condors are going to look in a month's time. So, yeah, I, I think only one player was in the running for a job with the Oilers improved his case mm. based on tonight's game. Just one. What do you? Who do you think that was? Like, who do you think I'm talking about? Who would you guess? Like, like a not not one of the five who we mentioned before, but one of the guys battling for a job. I'd I'd say one. Who would you? You might have a different person. So let's let's find out if we agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I would have guessed uh, maybe Sevier, but uh, uh, he played last night. So it sounds like that you were thinking of somebody who hadn't who hadn't no, been in last night. It could night. be someone who played last night. Okay. Yeah. So you'd say Sevier. I didn't actually notice Sevier that much, honestly. Like I, well, I wouldn't, that's a good thing in this game. <laughs> I wouldn't say Sevier actually. Well, with the forward though, you want to notice yeah. the forwards. You don't want to notice the defense. I noticed a few things, like just the on grinder type things that he did. I don't I'm think not he hurt a, his cause. I'm not feeling it, Bruce, with Sevier. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe yeah. others are. I'm not. I, Log- yeah. I thought William Logas. William Logason would be my pick. I'm I thought sorry. he played his best game of the preseason and was the one defenseman. Like he didn't. I don't know if he was even on for a goal against. Uh, let me just check that. I don't believe that he was. Minus one. Oh, minus one he was. I just thought he, I don't know if, did he make a mistake on that goal? I don't recall that he did. Uh, he wasn't on for like the big mistakes. There was a few <laughs> really yeah. big mistakes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, did, I thought he was, sol- like physically he was up to that game. He he mm-hmm. could, he matched the Jets who are a, a fairly big, fast team he matched that and was able to hold his own against a big fast lineup defensively and he moved the puck okay so yeah i thought william logison showed himself to be an nhl defenseman against some good nhl players tonight and um was mistake free you know a couple other defensemen were were fine but they made big mistakes you know one big mistake and we'll get to that in a second logison made some a couple of really big stops in the slot of what looked like to be very dangerous chances, if not certain goals, if the puck got through. Yeah, this coach only played him seventeen uh, fifty-seven, so they're not uh, loving Wild Bill with the ice time so far in the preseason. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I did, wow. and I thought it was when they, you know, Nima Linen and Kesselring had a tough start to that game. They were both running around, and 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 uh, it's when they split those guys up. I think they and put them with us. Uh, CC and Lagos and that the Oilers settled down a bit more and and those two young players settled down a bit more and I uh yeah I thought Wild Bill was good. What's your good thing, Bruce? What what would you say was the good thing in that game? Well, my poster boy good thing is Brad Malone who got the goal for the Oilers on a, on a, on a brilliant uh, outside shot, really good good shot that beat Connor Hellebuck in a game where Hellebuck I thought was pretty strong. Uh, you know he wasn't pounded with shots by any means, but he was not easily beaten. But uh, Malone beat him uh, with a good outside shot. It was kind of funny. There was about two minutes left in the second period, and I was I was uh, talking with my wife, as commonly happens during an Oilers game, and she was saying, uh, was wondering who who of the Oilers might be likely to break through and score a goal, if anybody, and and. Uh, 
I said I was saying, well, if anybody, I don't really like our chances. And before she could even reply, Brad Malone had put the puck in the <laughs> in the net. As soon as, as soon as I said, I don't like our chances, so it was a, uh, I considered it a victory for me. Uh, putting the hex on reverse. Anyway, it was uh, it was a great shot by Malone. But I'm only I'm picking him as one of actually four guys that are my good things, and I just want to give shout outs to these guys and players like these guys, Adam Cracknell, uh, and Seth Griffiths, Luke Esposito, and Brad Malone, uh, guys that are hard old pros that have been around for a while. This game tonight is probably the closest thing those guys are going to get all season to playing against an NHL team with NHL caliber players in it. Three of them are committed strictly to AHL. And the fourth, Seth Griffith, is a pretty long shot to to get a look with the Oilers at any point. And yet those four, you, you saw these games last year, David. Those guys were key to Bakersfield's um, success in the playoffs up front. I mean, Cracknell and, and Griffith on a line with Raphael Lavoie, and they were filling the net in the playoffs. And uh, wasn't Malone the captain of the team? Uh, uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, Esposito is one of these heart and soul grinders that you'd ha- be happy to have at the 3C. Well, he's that caliber player, but at the American League level. But uh, just brings it every night, and he brought it tonight. And they all brought it tonight, and I thought, that you know, for the going to Winnipeg game where you have to catch a flight in the morning, fly to Winnipeg, play that night, and fly home that same night, which is why the, why the vets don't particularly like this game. And uh, Jason Strudwick has a great story about that, by the way, uh, that um, uh, these guys welcome the chance. And this and Brad Malone, man, was he hitting? How many hits did he have tonight? Four, I'm guessing. Four, four. led the team with four hits. Yeah. Yeah, and a couple of them were real tough hits. Like, he just didn't back off at all, and he brought what he had, and he scored the goal that at least got the zero off the board. And uh, so hats off to to those guys. I think they, uh, you know, we won't be talking about them much in uh, November and December, so let's talk them up a little bit now and and say, uh, I, for one, appreciate players like that that uh, populate the high minor leagues and make it the level hockey that it is. I, I'm a big Luke Esposito fan watching mm-hmm. the Condors games. That yeah. guy, he hits Tough, people. Eh? <laughs> he hits them hard. If he was like a step faster, he'd mm-hmm. be a strong fourth liner in the NHL because of his, yep. he is fearless and he goes after people. He hits them hard. He hit someone hard tonight. Yep. A bit of a late hit. Um, yeah. So I, I, I he's, oh, yeah, he's Mark Messier's nephew, right? He's got, and he's got uh, some uh, genetics. <laughs> that Mark shared with Mark Messi, I'm going to say, from the way he plays the game. He's fierce and, uh, you know, not great skill, but at the AHL level, he's a very useful hockey player. I'll say. Yeah, he really is. Care, grinder, minute muncher, punisher of opposition. (laughs) (laughs) My good thing, Bruce, is... The three Oilers acquisitions, new players on the Oilers from this, mm-hmm. like players who weren't in the organization last year. Okay. Um, Warren Fogle, Cody Cece, and Xavier Borgol. And, and I'm, I'm sure as soon as I said Cody Cece's name, a lot of people are saying, what the F? 
because he made one horrendous mistake on a goal against where he misread the play at the blue line, got blown around, and there was a breakaway and a goal as a result. And and fair comment that that did. We all saw it. It, happened, yeah. it, it did happen. That's a fair comment. Uh, that said, I, I'm just so I, I'm mainly rating CC as someone who hasn't watched him closely and watched him closely for the first time, and um, kind of was going with some amount of trepidation. You know, right down to the fact that he wore Mark Fain's number five out there, Bruce. And we all know how I feel about Mark Fain. I thought it was Steve Smith's old number five. Well, there you go. There you go. There's some good uh, lineage for the number five. Doug Hicks' old number five. There you go. Doug Hicks. (laughs) Doug Hicks, yeah. Okay. Doug Hicks had his moments, but he just just had a tough time stopping players burning down that wing to the outside. Uh, Doug Hicks did now and then. So Cody Cece, um, I just was impressed with with his, you know, the skill set. I, I thought he was he can he can really skate, can move the puck, defend a bit. Like he's kind of an average at everything, but he, oh, or, yes. you know, he's 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 kind of a little bit okay at everything. He's okay at everything, and maybe that's going to add up to an okay player here mm-hmm. uh, for the Oilers. You know, we'll 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 see over time, but um, he was he was more effective. Um, than I had f- feared he wasn't going to be, that I feared. He was, he was, you know, I, I, I was af- afraid he wasn't going to, you know, just was going to be too vanilla out there and not get much done. But I thought he was okay. Thought he played well. He won a lot of battles. You know, he didn't win them all, but he won. He hung in there against a, a good Jets team as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Cody Cece. Fogle, um, fast and aggressive and uh, goes to the net and has a nose for the puck. I, I liked his game a lot. And, uh, you know, I can, I, I liked Ethan Bear a lot. Uh, but watching Evan Bouchard now, like something had to give there. I guess you you, you could have Bear instead of CC. That's a different argument. But, you know, I'll, I'll, Bouchard needed to be, there needed to be room in the lineup for Evan yeah. Bouchard. There is now. And anyway, Fogel um, is, I think, from what I'm seeing, um, you know, fair recompense so far for Evan Bo- uh, for uh, Ethan Bear. We'll see who turns out to be the better player down the road. But he he's a fast, big, tough forward with the nose for the net and a little bit of skill. The orders could really need, they needed that. They need it now and they got it in this player. So um, first impression is they didn't get stiffed in this trade. Like they got a, they got a real they got NHL a player. player. They got, they got a player. player. Yeah. Someone who can, someone who can go and someone who's big and tough and, I like that about him. Finally, Xavier Borgo, mm-hmm. the first pick. Bruce, I I really am liking that guy's class. As they say of European sock footballers, he has real calm with the puck. He makes nice plays with the puck. He doesn't seem to be overwhelmed at all by being in an yes. NHL game. Makes me think that the World Junior team, like I know he's on the outside of maybe making that team, they should think again about this player. Uh, he's got a very calm head and gr- absolutely fantastic hands uh, for making yes. passes. And, and and he wins his fair share of puck battles, even though he's, what, 18 years old? Yeah, no, I've. it's like, whoa, um, this could work. This could be a player. You know, this could be a top six NHL winger in two years. years. Two or three years, you know, the wingers develop fast, right? Oh, yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be a couple of years, right? Like he'll he'll need. I think he, does he have just one year left of junior? Just one year left. Yeah, He's a late and then birthday again. you know, half a year in the AHL at least. We we could assume mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah, okay. 
but um it could happen fast because he he looks he looked at he looked against the again a tough Winnipeg Jets team. He looked he was making plays and uh, oh, I, nice hands, eh? Does he ever? Yeah, yeah. That was that was if I had to complain about Fogel's game tonight, which is the first time I've seen him play in a full game. Is that his hands let him down a couple times around yeah. the net? He got good chances, but he wasn't able to really do much with them. But uh, um, Borgo, for a guy that you know. I uh, never had an official shot on net, but boy, I liked some of his plays along the boards and in some of the high traffic areas. He's pretty silky with the puck on his stick. And I say his panic point seems to be very low, and that's a real nice place to start. Yeah. Let's move on to the bad things. What's your bad thing, Bruce? Well, I'm going to single out Evan Bouchard tonight, uh, in part just because he's been getting so much loving and, and everybody's liking <laughs> everything yeah. he's doing and just for balance i mean all of these guys they have yeah. good things they have bad things and tonight we saw uh, from bouchard i saw at least more of the the uh uh potential weaknesses in his game and just some of the strengths that tonight weren't particularly strengths like he's noted for getting his shots through well tonight he tried five shots and four of them got blocked they weren't getting through and he was his passes weren't always clicking they were either getting deflected or or uh, they weren't finding the target and i didn't find that uh, uh the play flowed through him particularly well and on the other side of the puck uh, when winnipeg had it they they really lit him up a couple of times one that turned out to be a goal when a guy went wide on him uh cut in on net and the rebound bounced up and it hit uh Austin Poganski, I think that was his goal. Kind yeah, of hit him in the body and bounced in. Well, that was after Bouchard had been burned to the outside, and uh, his partner Cuckoo came in and tried to tried to clean up the mess, but they got a bad bounce, you know. And then he also got a bad bounce on the last goal where Puck hit his skate and went right to Kyle Connor with the whole open side. I mean, what are you going to do? On the other hand, there was a couple other times where he got burned where Cuckoo, or in one of the cases, one of the goalies bailed him out. And I just thought for a test of a guy, you know, playing against uh, a tough team where he was uh, basically top pairing or, you know, one of the two top pairings, that uh, uh, Winnipeg exposed him a little bit. Yeah, and, so. fair enough. I, I still liked a lot of his moves mm-hmm. under well, pressure there, with the there puck. are things he does that i just love and that's, yeah that, but you're that's right he, too. did 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 he ever get walked by Vili heinala i mean that was you know if that happened to adam larson more than twice all year last year it didn't it didn't it happened maybe once right like in the early in the year larson made a bad decision and got beat and that right. was like in terms of getting walked like that you know it doesn't happen. And same with the CC mistake. Larson didn't right. make many mistakes. And these are the two players, you know, they're coming in and someone's got to take Adam Larson's minutes. And this is, this is an issue for the orders. Do they have someone on the right side? Um, between, you know, between CC Bouchard and Barry, who can they put out there against really tough competition and right. get the job done. Yeah. And so um, it's, you know, from, you know, CC got, you know, beat once really badly. So did Bouchard. So they're going to have, that can't happen um, consistently. It can hardly, it can, and it can hardly ever happen is the truth. 
if you're going to play against tough competition because they will eat you alive in the NHL. Like the, that will have, if it happens to you, you know, it, it could happen to you 15, 20 times a year, which is way too much in the NHL against any competition. So, uh, you know, that's, that's an unanswered question still. Well, there's getting beat wide and there's getting beat wide, right? If, if you can push the guy far enough to the outside that he has to cut across between the bottom of the circle and, and the icing line, the goalie's usually going to be able to, to deal with that. But if he's able to make that cut inside the face-off circle and take it right to the front of the net with options, trouble is going to ensue, and it did tonight. Yeah, I thought Bouchard's mistake was particularly, like, not good. I, he, you'd expect him to do more, like hit that guy or, you know, two-hand him with your stick. Out, yeah. <laughs> take out his, take him out. Oh, wow. Don't get walked like that, you know. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't injure him, just trip him, do something like, like as you're desperately going for the puck, diving for the puck, maybe you wipe him out. That's what I was trying to say. You, Bruce. Do, you do what Jim Kite did to Paul Coffey in about the 1985 playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Full diving slash. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think so, but I, I do think it. he needs to, he, he, you got to be able to push that guy out and, and worsen yeah. his angle more than he did on that play. Fair enough. And so good for you to bring that up and to, you know I, I think it is good to temper some of the enthusiasm we have and, and I don't to hate rem- Evan Bouchard you hate him I, I can see it on your face I can see it in your eyes oh man yeah uh, you know it's good to temper it because we do have as I say we have this mm-hmm. issue who's replacing Adam Larson's tough minutes on the right side this is you know this is the, this is an ongoing question that's not yet answered okay um Fair my enough. bad thing. You know, there was a great line in the AHL last year, Ryan McLeod, Tyler Benson, and Cooper Marodi, and they tore up the AHL. They might have been the best line in the AHL. And they all came into camp with great hopes. And, um, you know, I just, they've all had moments. They even had moments this game, all three of them. But, you know, where's the beef? You know, yeah. they're... Benson did make one fantastic pass to, um, I think that was Sevier in the slot. Mm-hmm. You know, when Sevier almost scored there, I th- I'm sh- sure that was Benson who yes. fed it over. He's good for a pass like that every game. Like, he really is is good. But I just, you know, he's not making the, the mark that he needs to make right now, I don't think, Bruce. If I'm completely, like, I'm, che- I'm I hate saying that because I'm rooting mm-hmm. for this guy so much. And I really want him to succeed. So it just pains me to say that. But he's had these three games now, right, in the yep. uh, NHL. And, and you know, the phys- like, as a forward, you want to get noticed. And, you know, he's he's come close. He almost scored a power play goal the other night on a rebound. He's he's getting in the middle of it, but he's got to get some results. And he's just, he's got, just got to step it up a little bit more. And, again, this line was in tough against the Shifley line often tonight, I believe. Um, that's a tough assignment for any NHL players, any, anyone. So that was a really tough one for them. Ryan McLeod's as the game got going, he, his, he, he was skating well. Uh, he, he started to move his feet more and, um, you know, make some plays, but again, we're not seeing that finish and we're not seeing, you know, just a little bit more drive, just a little bit more inside of the other player's sweater, as they call it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I always find that a little bit odd, that expression. But anyway, inside, get, getting into their space, hitting them, bumping mm-hmm. them, grinding them. 
I, that's what they should all do. Now, maybe the Oilers coaches are looking at these players and they're thinking, uh, you know, you're Staples, you're judging them on on their offensive play. Really, what we need to see is defensive consistency and defensive strength. And and I can't watch the replay, so I'm I, I have a, I'm having a little hard time grading them on that. And maybe they've all done well enough defensively. Cooper Marodi was caught out early in the game defensively in one of the cluster Fs that that went on um, early in the game. Uh, again, he hasn't distinguished himself, probably the least of the three, Marodi. So um, it's, I just would, I want to see more. I was hoping to see more. I haven't seen it. I saw one nice play out of Marodi tonight uh, that uh, a teammate wasn't able to do anything with. I think it was a, a pass. I don't even specifically remember the details. I think that was a nice look from Marodi and it just didn't, didn't turn into anything, but he, uh, he made a good play, but you're right. I mean, these chances are fleeting. I mean, Tyre Benson's had three full games now. Uh, tonight he had zero shot attempts. You know, one block shot, uh, minus two, no hits. I mean, that's not necessarily his game, but none is not a good number. And uh, uh, he uh, he did draw a penalty one time when the stick got slashed out of his hands in the neutral zone, and they uh, drew a penalty, and they actually had some good pressure on the six-on-five uh, afterwards, uh, but compared to what his prime um, opponents are for the four and five left wing jobs, which are uh, uh, Shore and Perlini, uh, who both had a good game last night. Tonight was Benson's night where he could shine, and they had no chance to shine. So, and unfortunately, it was another fairly so-so uh, night for for him. Alrighty. Are we at numbers? Yes, sir. Your number, Bruce. I'm going to go with 23 minutes and 52 seconds, which is Cody Cece's ice time in this game. Uh, number one on the team. Uh, he also led the Oilers with four, four of their 18 shots on net in the game. Four of them came off the stick of uh, Cody Cece. He was even on the night, which you'll recall uh, he got burned on that one goal where he tried to stand up at the blue line and the one guy chipped it through him to the other guy who walked in. Uh, so, he, you know, he did get burned there and he was on the ice for the one Oiler goal and otherwise he played two-fifths of the game and basically sawed off his part of a very one-sided game. So I'm suggesting just from that that he probably did something right and my eyeball said, yeah, he did do some things right and we talked about it a little bit earlier, just sort of the, the breadth of this game. He does a little bit of this and a little bit of that and he's he doesn't like truly stand out in a, in a, in a good or bad way and on a very wide range of responsibilities. I didn't notice that. That is a lot of ice time and it's indicative. Like when they're thinking of who's going to be the shutdown guy, maybe we're looking at that. That guy's going to obviously get that first opportunity. Probably he and Keith are going to be asked to do that kind of work, um, I'm guessing, um, early in the year. So... Good luck with that. Let's hope that works out <laughs> better because we spent like that's like f- five and a half and uh, what is it three and a half three point three and a half nine million dollars worth of uh, defense pairing there. So um, they got to come through for the Oilers mm-hmm. uh, yep. if the Oilers are going to win. If the Oilers are going to be like I think the Oilers are going to be a good team this year. If they're going to be a great team mm-hmm. this year, they, those two players have got to come through in a shutdown role essentially. My number is eight and six. That's um, Ryan McLeod on the face-off dot. If he's going to make the Oilers, uh, he's got to win face-offs. He did so tonight against a pretty good face-off team, the Winnipeg Jets. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I think they are. That's my memory from the playoffs. I don't know what the regular season stats will suggest, but um, that's a good number. And um, it's it, it's something that they're going to, you know, again, if he can do that, that's, that's something other players are going to struggle with. Um, you, you know, uh, I think, yes, Ryan's a good face-off guy, so... I don't know, like, there's not a ton of competition, Bruce, for the fourth-line center job, unless you're going to play Devon Shore there, which is a possibility, I guess. So, McLeod's path to a job is wide open. Right. And, um, you know, he he really, you know, earlier this year, Ken Holland said that it's Tyler Benson's penciled in and it's his job to lose. Well, maybe, but definitely the case with McLeod. Definitely the case. And... It's little things like that. And I, I didn't notice any major defensive mistakes, but again, I'm not going over the replays. There might've been some from McLeod. So if he's taking care of defense and he's winning faceoffs, he can play this year in the NHL, even if the offense, even if he's like a 20 point player or a 17 point player or something like that, if he's killing penalties, winning faceoffs, strong defensively, that's good enough for a player his age. So. Um, yeah, he made a couple of very sound defensive plays. I thought. Uh, yeah. Uh, where he one one where he he read a pass that was going through the lane to a guy in dangerous position, and he was able to get a stick in the defensive slot and cut it out. And that's the sort of emergency play that you you need to get from your from your center occasionally. Yeah. Tonight he was uh, he was four of seven in the offensive zone one for one in the defensive zone. So they weren't too much relying on him uh, uh, in that situation. But uh, he got, uh, uh, he, he was 50% or better in all situations. Yeah. All righty. Well, we have a game Friday, I guess, Bruce. Yeah, against uh, Seattle. Again, and, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're playing four home and homes, eh? Uh, Calgary, uh, uh, Seattle, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. There All the go. closest geographic rivals, with uh, Winnipeg being about the furthest. Thus, the popularity of the going to Winnipeg road trip that they have every September. <laughs> you remember that commercial? <laughs> no, I don't. The guy was uh, the, the ball, the, the ball guy. That was a bit of a funny guy. He was going on vacation somewhere and he found out he was on a plane that was heading for Winnipeg instead of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to Winnipeg. <laughs> I've been to Winnipeg. It's a nice city. Yeah, it's, the except for the is, no airport part, eh? The Forks is nice. We drove there. Uh, yeah, the Forks is nice. The uh, downtown's okay. The the the, uh, the river walk's really nice. The Edmonton should, uh, should have something like that. Uh, Bruce, I just want to ask you about two developments that happened today. First, there was a story about Adam Larson, which was which was pretty interesting. You know, there's been why did he leave has been a major question. And from Larson's own mouth, it sounds like a big factor was the death of his father, which had been rumored in the past. And and uh, so he talked to reporters uh, about that and seemed to indicate that it just he just didn't feel he just needed to move on. Like there's something about being at Edmonton that reminded him of that traumatic event. He, he talked about his incredible closeness to his father. He f- thinks about him. Like, I think it, the quote was every minute of every day or something like that. Like, um, extreme, yeah. when he's, it did, when he said it though, it's like, you know, some people really are close to their parents in that way. And, uh, 
if that's hanging over him, you can see that as I can see someone like that being a reasonable explanation for someone just wanting a fresh slate, turn the page, move on, get on with your life. Um, So that was, that was interesting because, you know, we, there might, who knows if there was other reasons. We don't, we don't know if there was any other reasons, but, but uh, that's what he's saying. And and I'll take him at his word. It's, you know, it was that quote though, where he talked about his, you know, his obsessive thinking about his dad that can actually convince me like, yeah, okay, this guy's, this, this sounds like a very traumatic, obviously traumatic and haunting event for him. So. Yeah, we we speculated on that here in the past, and I've I've tried to put myself in his shoes on that, thinking you know, the fact that it's you know not just that his dad died while he was playing in Edmonton, but while he was visiting Edmonton, and while Adam was on the practice ice, and his dad dad had a uh, uh, they gave some details of the of the heart attack that he suffered in in. Uh, in Edmonton, so it's indelibly associated with the city. How could it not be? So uh, I th- I don't think it was a matter of him not liking the team or his teammates. You know, he got along fine with them. He certainly had a, a good role to play on a good team. Uh, but uh, when, I mean, he was reluctant to sign that extension here, even when the owners offered a fifth year. And then when he went to Seattle and he saw what the opportunities were there and, you know, how he really could turn the page by just saying, yes, I'll sign, that he said, yes, I'll sign, and time to time to move on. You know what he gave? He played in Edmonton for five years that he had on his contract when the owners got him. You know, he lived up to that contract, and, and uh, uh, it's really unfortunate what happened. I mean, that's one of the saddest things that's ever happened to an Oilers player. Uh while they're you know we're on the team such a young man like he was just oh, 50, 50 years yeah. old and like That's great just... shape former pro hockey player himself you know and very close apparently so was he just, just off, off the plane was he was it was he'd that been here i think he'd been in town for like a day or two and he was going to oh, stay okay. for a few weeks or something but uh right. there was a very good article today that was up by uh maddie wasn't it jim matheson yeah 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 yeah. And uh, that gave some of the background detail. Yeah, great work by Jim on that one. Uh, you're frozen right now on the screen, Bruce. I don't know if you can still hear me or not. Um, the second thing I was going to raise is Josh Archibald. And um, yeah, there you are. You're back. Um, sure. Josh, it wasn't you. It was your, some computer glitch. It just froze your screen. Josh, Josh Archibald, well, he hasn't made a comment, but... Um, it was was it Tippett or Holland? Yes, Tippett. Tippett, who talked about yeah, it was Tippett, who talked about um, Archibald has some other health problem. They don't know what it is, and he's going for testing right now. And um, that even if he, because of this, even if he was, he didn't say whether he wants has changed his mind on the COVID shot or not, COVID vaccine. Uh, he couldn't get it right now anyway. So uh, what did you make of that? I don't know what to make of that, David. I really don't. I mean, it, it's it's such an odd thing that he's come up with this this whatever illness it is, not COVID. They said he didn't test positive for COVID, so something else. Uh, just at a time where, uh, you know, decision time about taking that needle or, um, I mean, at this moment in time, he could wind up on uh, injured reserve if he's got some kind of illness. And I mean, let's see what the doctors have to say. You know, I don't. 
want to doubt his word any more than to doubt Adam Larson's word, but uh, let's see what uh, what happens after the medical exam. Is if he winds up on long term injured reserve because he's sick, well, he's sick, you know. Yeah. Who and he? Yeah, maybe he's got who? Know, what it is? You know, I'm going to speculate here, Bruce, because I don't know what's in his head and I don't know his physical condition. I don't. I'm, so this is just pure speculation. So you take it for what it's worth, which is just speculation. But. Right. I've seen other people um, struggling with the decision to get a vaccine shot and be under tremendous stress and anxiety because of that. Um, it really to take a stand like the to take a stand like this. Anyone who's taking it, it can sometimes be the first time in their life that they've taken a, such a stand, and it puts again. It's just unbelievable pressure on some people when they're doing this. So speculation. It could be something like that. Yeah, you know, stress incredible pressure and stress um that's getting him down psychologically and again i just want to repeat i it's just just a guess but maybe that's what it is so Alrighty. yeah well i guess uh i mean who knows if it's a personal health issue we may never find out exactly what's going on but uh uh there's uh, let's just say we can add to the list like it seemed like it was going to go one of two ways either he was going to get the get the job and join the team or he wasn't going to get the job and the team was going to find some way to to uh, um, come up with some other solution and probably send him out well if it's now a third possibility that he might be uh, slated for injured reserve while whatever illness or physical issue that he's dealing with is uh, dealt with and good luck to the to the guy like good luck to josh archibald i hope he hope he's figures out how to get through hope he's fine in the end here figures out how to get through this and continues on with his professional hockey career all right bruce i guess we'll talk uh friday thanks for talking tonight all right thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast